Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe Podcast Network, SoCal Sweat. My name is Ann McDaniels, a former NFL cheerleader and product manager turned actress and model who dreams of being a UFC fighter. Yow. Learning strategies to help motivate others leads me to bring you interviews each week from a range of athletes, experts in fitness and nutrition, and so much more. Thanks for listening to Believe, the number one podcast for working professionals, and let's push our endorphins to higher performance through SoCal Sweat. This is your host, Anne McDaniels, and thank you so much for joining me on another episode of SoCal Sweat. Today, do I ever have a treat for you. This powerhouse of a woman was responsible for getting Jimmy Dennis, R&B singer, off death row after 25 years of being in prison, wrongly accused of murder. She realized the strong voice and confidence that she possessed, and she parlayed that into public relations because if you can write press releases and fight and be loud and be a loudmouth as she is, Miss Tracy Lamori, she got someone off of death row. What could she do for clients, Hollywood clients, building brands, helping other people build their businesses? Well, she started Tracy Lamore Media and PR, and she is a Hollywood publicist, very high profile. She has a long list of clients, successful clients, from the New York Times and Associated Press to Good Housekeeping, Rolling Stone, and Fox. She will build brands, and she teaches us in this podcast how to have grit, how to never give up. And her quote, you didn't get this far to get this far, was learned from getting Jimmy Dennis off death row. And she always had confidence, and she builds that in brands. So we'll take you through, if you have a project to never quit, and how to elevate that, how to make a loud name for yourself so you do get discovered, because the competition out there is huge. And Tracy Lamori of Tracy Lamori Media and PR will really help us do that. And I can't wait to introduce you to Miss Tracy Lamori, loudmouth, wonderful woman, very successful woman, very smart woman. Tracy Lamori of Tracy Lamori PR and Media. Well, good afternoon, Tracy Lamori in Canada, who's actually in lockdown again. And I'm so excited to have her on. We actually, um, she had reached out to me for a client because Tracy is a publicist. And I'm like, I'd love to interview your client, but. What about you? You've got a great bio. You're you're super. <laughs> look at your hair. How are you today? Thank you, and I'm super honored to be here. And while I'm missed in California because I've been in lockdown, you know, and also border crossing is a pain in the butt right now. So I've been in lockdown, like at least in Canada. I've been like in Canada, not in LA, in Vegas, and in Ohio, and Washington D.C., and Jamaica, and Malta, all those places that I was the year before. So this year I'm saying it's, I'm glad to be in California, at least virtually, because I'm saying this year it's been mostly Hamilton Mountain, not Hollywood Hills for me, so. Oh, but you but you have good news. Your your daughter's pregnant. You're going to be a grandmother. Yeah, I'm still going good. Business is good. I'm going to be a grandma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's not your typical grandma, I'll tell you that much, if you well, could see her. My friend, when I went to Jamaica, some, an elder there gave me the nickname Mama Fire, and I said, is it just the hair? And they said, that, but I've also been watching you for a week, and I see you're really nice, but I could see that you'd be, funny. he said, fire, if, you know, if somebody did wrong, and I laughed, because I'm like, well, yeah, kind of, how'd you know? And so I told my friends that, and they're all like, that's perfect. So, of course, that's been my name for the last year, Mama Fire. And now they're all like, 
is it grandma grandma fire now I'm like i guess almost i love it <laughs> which which makes you a great publicist so tracy is a hollywood publicist with many many clients and, and a huge mountain of success but she also and i want to discuss in this podcast she was able to get uh, african-american man who was a musician was wrongly accused of murder off death row after 25 years what a badass i can't even imagine so tracy let's get into it what was your what was your child your parents were so supportive growing up which is so nice to hear what how was your childhood and what were your interests so I grew up in Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada, and until at age 10, I moved to Toronto, which is the big, huge multi or LA, you know, basically. But um, yeah, as a young person, I was the same as now. I was a vociferous reader. I've never since the age of six, literally, when I close one book, I instantly open another, and I always have a magazine going, and I read magazines cover to cover my whole life. And I think that's part of the reason I've been so level-headed. I've never had any my my kids my 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 kids might argue but i've never had any major mental health issues <laughs> or anything and you know i think i remember even as a 15 year old i've been through a lot of stuff i remember thinking or i remember hearing from my friends parents and teachers you're really stable you you know you go through a lot and you just sort of and i never realized but this is probably a huge reason being a reader i was reading in my cover to cover reading uh, psychology today about two years ago and it was saying that reading is a huge psychological what do you call that like a tool a, a coping like, mechanism a little bit and it's so true if you think about it because it doesn't matter how heat up you are angry you're mad you're upset you're hurt whatever it is okay you stop every the moment you sit down you pick up your book if you actually start reading and you actually read a page or two then you're not in that anymore. Your mood is changing. You're starting to think about something different. You're, you can't not do, you know, you can't not. So all of a sudden you're, yeah, your temperature's going down, your heart rate's going down. You put that down, it's like, okay, all right. Now what was I so mad about? Okay. Yeah, and you know, instead of great escape. go over that over and over that in your head to keep on thinking all day, man, I'm mad. Gosh, I'm mad. Oh man, I can't believe the guy just said that to me. You know how you keep on doing yeah, that, right? Absolutely absolute focus shift because you're engaged you're not just watching a screen where it may not fully do that i guess a movie would help that to some extent but you know when you read you're actively your brain are firing and you know so yeah absolutely would you would you so you'd focus on fiction and non-fiction because obviously you read psychology today I used to read a lot of, like, uh, when I was younger, it was probably 80% fiction to 20% nonfiction, which I did, and, now, and I'm glad I did that growing, growing up, because I think that gives you a lot of perspective, even if it's a fake voice, it's somebody else's voice, and you're in somebody else's head, and reading it from someone else's perspective, you know what I mean, Absolutely. whereas now I read probably 80 to 90% information, because there's so much stuff that I want to know, there's so yeah. much information that I want, I'm never going to get through it all my life, and I'm just, you know, so it's pretty rare, the other day I bought Handmaid's Tale by Mark Atwood, which I read back in high school and I've been watching that show like I just love that series like I haven't loved any series for years you know yeah that's great and so I but I, I thought you know last time I read that I was a 17 year old kid I want to reread that now as an adult and so I'm going to read so usually when I read fiction now it's you know an event kind of thing but I should pick it because I'm just so overwhelmed with time but I find time to read all the every single day you know on the on the in the bathtub in an uber on the bus, you know, I'm, I, I'm always got a book in my hand if I'm not working. That's great, which gives you so much knowledge, especially for your, for your clients in Hollywood, because you're, you're, you pay attention to everything. And you could exactly. always come up with some kind of an idea from a book that would help 
the campaign or what have you. you never know what like and that's why I read magazines really widely too because like I love the New Yorker and Harper's and everything where I'll read a 10-page article on something I would never pick up a book about so I'm not even necessarily interested even as the one magazine I won't read cover to cover is like Sports Illustrated but in the New Yorker I'll read a 10-page article about some sports guy about whatever and I'll learn yeah. you know it's a whole different like it brings you into a world teaches you different and so yeah you never know what's gonna you know it's all creative in the mind that's that's fantastic and so and you have you have what was your career trajectory like how did did you go to college where did you go what did you major in literally so originally when I, I, I had a college radio show you know with my husband Dave Parkinson it was his radio show and I came on that we started doing radio together that show had ended and we were just in a you know regular early 20 or our 20s entry-level sales kind of jobs and he was a little bit better than mine and mine was like entry-level sales marketing marketing research just like that I hadn't even gone to university I went to Europe instead I saved a bunch of money backpacked through Europe when I was 21 came back okay um so I, I kind of did that instead of university I was meant to go to school and never ended up doing it just started working you know had to start paying the bills entry-level on my own, met Dave, both of us were paying, you know, young couple, didn't have much money, working, working. And uh, so we never did end up going to school. And then we started CCADP in 1998. When, uh, well, we met Jimmy, De we found out about the case of Jimmy Dennis that you mentioned, the factually innocent man on death row in Pennsylvania. And we had no, we were active, but we had nothing to do with the death penalty or criminal justice or anything like that. And we just thought, you know, I remember saying to my husband, or we were saying to each other, how innocent can this guy be? And something drew us to actually write a letter to write to him, I don't, you know, because we were still, I guess, in that information gathering phase of having had the radio show. So he still mm -hmm. sort of felt like media. So we're like, hmm, tell us about it, Jimmy. And he did. He wrote back 18 pages, you know, both sides with all the legal information that was in his cell. Enough of a lot of information. And also, and then people asked, you know, to recently, what did you, why did you get involved with it? You didn't know this person and so what. So really, how would you not at that point? Like, remember when we were activists, used to doing things when we saw something wrong, right? But also, we, we didn't know what to do. We thought the only thing we could do was make a website, hopefully a lawyer, which ultimately happened. Lawyers would get involved. Somebody who could help if we made enough noise. That's what happened. And they fought for 17 years when they came. Law firm Arnold and Porter out of Washington that was looking for, like, they were like unicorns, looking for a case of factual innocence. And they found him because of all the noise that we've been making for three years. But... Um, yeah, it's, it's just it's crazy. Like people say, why did you, you know, get involved? But what else can we do once we had asked for that letter, right? So we asked, so why, you know, tell us about it. And then what, was that just for fun? Now that this person wrote us back and spent all that time and obviously all that hope and wrote all those words out and all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to, you know, we have to try to do something. So my husband learned to make a website and I literally learned how to write a press release. Long story short, my, our messaging was really successful. Not just in that, but we started being called on to comment on the death penalty in general in America. So there we were in 28 years old, Dave and I, zero media experience or like our little radio show in Canada. Sure. No, no real media experience, no legal experience. And we're 28 years old. And on CNN, MSNBC, Court TV, Fox, killing it. You know, just killing. They're trying to throw all this stuff. My husband was, I was nervous to do, I did radio and, you know, newspapers at the time. He was a fat girl and I sent my husband to do TV. So he was just killing it. Even on Nancy Grace, just killing it. But we were always good. And it took me 13 years to realize you know what? Because meanwhile, we just kept on doing sales job. We were doing our whatever. So we were doing that amazing stuff, you know, getting the cover of 
in Houston newspaper and me and Der Spiegel and People magazine and all that. But meanwhile, we're just doing it. Like, that's great for our advocacy. That's all we were caring about. For our day job, we were just doing sales and all that. So spending all our time doing that work and then just going and doing our sales. And, oh, yeah, that's what we do, whatever. And it, it wasn't until I was 41, it literally hit me when I was 41, like 13 years after I wrote my first press release, a few years before Jimmy. And we should say Jimmy got out, right? Like, he's free. 2017, he was freed, and he's an R&B artist right now. So open up another window and Google Jimmy Dennis music, too. But, um, yeah, he, so I thought when I was 41, suddenly, oh, wow. Because there I was about to make another 15 calls an hour for a company I don't care about. Hey, it's Tracy calling from whatever, you know. And I suddenly realized, wait a minute, I could probably utilize all those skills, writing a press release, knowing how to reach out to media, that I've been doing, you know, for my advocacy work and build a business out of that. I didn't think about building a company. I was just freelancing. And then That's after that, incredible. someone said, you need to build a business. Sure. So nine years from freelance to now, now I'm international, award-winning, working across borders, never went to school. I've only recently met publicists and now they're, I've been twice asked to speak at a, speak to a school, like speak at schools to groups of PR students. You just have grit and natural intelligence and all of your reading. And you're also very curious. Tracy and her husband literally got a black man off death row after 25 years. And do, in doing all of this, this is how she became a publicist. I mean, just to, to backtrack, how, how would you know that he's innocent? Like how, and, and were you able to go in and, and talk to him? Um, yeah, like it started with that 18 page letter and the in legal information that he had in the cell and that there was enough to go wait a minute because even that shot showed the initial description was way off like it was just way off in the beginning so we're like okay hold on wait 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 because it was, it was a rumor to... didn't someone say it was a rumor that he killed somebody and then they, they... The rumor he went to talk to the uh, police and they didn't want to talk to him and then it all came back and it wasn't even a rumor like at first originally the police were going into all these different neighborhoods just trying to because it was a high profile crime trying to get someone to talk and you know initially and these these guys ended up to being two extremely corrupt police officers who his corruption has been revealed in a lot of other cases as well as a wow. da time was so like since then there's a new da in philadelphia now who's been uncovering not just Jimmy's case, but all kinds of corruption going back years to the 80s and the 90s. And this is where this, how it was back in those days at the Chicago Police Department was at one time. And Jimmy was just one of a, a many black men with the most egregious case, you know, that was on, and there's been there was others before and since. And, but he would just send us enough that we, enough that we went, whoa, 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 this is worse than anything we've ever heard. I mean, now let's see more. Uh, ultimately, before we were putting our, at first we just put all the information online and said, hey, can somebody, you know, look at this and maybe help. Ultimately, because of our advocacy, other making noise, other people got involved and looked into it who were able to look into it even further. A couple out of Illinois who became advocates friends for years ended up helping and supporting the team and, you know, because we ended up having a cohesive little team. They ended up driving from Illinois to, to the courthouse and spent and do what most prisoners can never access is getting all the like paying all the money because it costs money mm -hmm. to get pages and pages on the entire transcript of the trial so they bought the whole all the boxes of the trial and she was a school teacher so she was like a researcher right and before she was going to do something she was going to research everything and that's what jimmy encouraged before he always said before anybody got on our team they had to research it so nobody could believe just what he was saying they had to know it inside and out and actually understand it and research oh, it there was and so, so many margins of error there i mean there's so many times he could that could have failed and then yeah. you guys came in and swooped it up it's incredible oh. And so he, 
what did he do for 25 years in prison? Was he, he seems like a very intelligent man. Hugely intelligent. My, I tell you, he's my hero now too. We were, we're friends. We talk every day, me and my husband. And he calls oh. us and he's like, oh, my nephew and niece. And he's now he's a recording artist. Like I said, I really do encourage people yes. to attention to and not just as you know like a novelty he's getting thing, big things are happening this is making some really good music so, and he jimmy dennis and he might be in la yes. we were finding out of this week if he's going to be physically in la at the Capitol records building doing a, a thing with some you know we don't know yet but yeah we'll watch he's going to be online or physically this week coming up so i live next. right near there i live right near there that you go. Yes. and you can go get some shots and so, yeah, it's an amazing story. And like, but yeah, for 25 years on death row, his thing was never, never give up. When somebody on death row tells you that, that's how he got through it, honestly. And also he talks about songs. He has a song playlist. He was a musician before he went in and there's a Rolling Stone article about how to survive death row with a little piece they did on him. And he names his particular songs. And he had a bunch of songs. Glory Days by Bruce Springsteen was one of them. There's a song by Queen Whitney, as he called Whitney Houston, was another one of them. I can't remember the name of the Whitney song. There were, you know, I, I believe I could fly was one of them. There's several songs that he went through in his head every day that he listened to every day in his head, like as though he could play, you know. And then at the end of the day, when he or the end of the the little playlist, he would sit there and he says now he would write 25 letters a day out to anybody who could help, everybody on his team, or to whatever. He said he'd stay up 24 hours and write 20 letters and put them out in the thing. And then he would say, okay, now I can rest. He didn't give up. He was like, no, you know. So yeah, that's really hard to do. That was really disciplined too, because a lot of people just get depressed and overwhelmed and just don't know how to deal that, with that. That aren't on death row. And then you add that to it. I mean, it's, he's just incredibly impressive. And did he ever, yeah. has he been able to, to play with the Gap Band? Because I know that was his goal. I read that in another article. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's happened yet because of lockdown, but I'm sure people have been suggesting some crazy oh. stuff, I'm telling you. What are the, uh, anyway, yeah, some big stuff's going on. Like, we're just hoping that some, I, we're thinking that some of the people that, you know, he'd played the music in his head, we're thinking it's quite likely they may hear the story. Yes. And um, there may be some possibility of some stuff happening because it's a Hollywood story. I mean, it's so Hollywood. It's not even funny. You can't even, you could not write this. If you wrote it, they would be like, it's good, but way too fantastical. I mean, especially when you consider at the beginning, there we were penniless, you know, salespeople. And he's this guy on death row no one's listening to, right? And in another country, yet we are. And then, you know, by the time he gets out, we figure this out and we're not, we're like publicists all of a sudden you know and he gets out oh yeah that's right I was an R&B artist and he goes right back in the recording studio and now we literally have cell phone cell calls from a cell not a cell like a cell phone not a cell right and yeah. I literally he might be stressed out or have PTSD or whatever was going on the day things aren't all perfect he's still fighting the city for compensation all that stuff right they still don't want to give it and I'll be like you know what though and then I'll be like, literally, literally, I have to laugh because three years ago, we were terrified they were going to be able to kill you. And now there you are with a beautiful background behind you and a dog in the back. And all we got to worry about is if there's gray showing. I laugh. We both laugh. Yeah, you know, I'm like, so, so it's all good. And then I also say what I learned on the internet, which is we didn't get this far to only get this far. And I say that to Jimmy, meaning, you know, you think about where you were before compared to where you are now. And to me, this story doesn't end. He gets, he gets a Grammy because his music is incredible. And what other artist has a story like that? And they stole his voice for 25 years. And now he's got a voice. So we need to listen. Unbelievable. To unbelievable. And I want to just backtrack on that quote, because when I was reading about Tracy, she had said, I I didn't get this far to get this far, meaning 
if you're working on a project and you're, you have a goal, don't stop. And I think so many of us, especially after during this pandemic, just are very discouraged. And it's like how to start again. And like, look at all the work that we've done before the pandemic. And we're going to let, we're going to let ourselves quit. Exactly. Perfect example. And then also for the people, like you said, the word overwhelmed. So true. Some people are doing a lot less well than we are. Some people are like overwhelmed, like overwhelmed, you know, they're like lost. And so, and some people, you know, honestly, if you're probably jumping off a bridge yesterday, if you feel this is the end, if you feel uh, to, to them, especially as well, you didn't get this far to only get this far because right. you got through all that crap. You got through all those people, you faced those people and you kept on standing and you got to today. You didn't get this far to only get this far, to drop because of that last asshole, excuse my language, Absolutely. or that last thing, or that last, you know, you got to keep on going and you can't, also, you don't want to miss the awesome stuff that's going to happen tomorrow. Right. And you, maybe you're only six inches away from that ultimate success. And speaking of Hollywood, that happens all the time when people quit and that next job would have, would have booked them on something, but it is hard. Right. It is hard when you're going through the grind. I mean, it's hard to compare to to Jimmy, who's on death no, row. Everything is, it's true though, because everybody's, everybody's struggle is different. And whatever will stop us, it, whether or not, like it's true. Like I say that this a lot, I say, you know, like I'm not trying to sound like, I know it can sound super privileged when you say, oh, you just got to keep on going and knock those things down. People are like, oh yeah, but that's easy for you to say when you're privileged, Michael, right? But it's true that you know, I've also seen people who are hugely privileged, let a little pebble throw them, to, you know, knock them down. Or even not even necessarily huge approach, just people with a different mindset. They see a little pebble in front of them and it just knocks them down. Other people like Jimmy, they have literally mountains and doors this thick and the whole world saying you're guilty, you're garbage, we can kill you. And you know what? That doesn't knock them down. They keep believing. At the end of every letter, he said, praying for the truth. 1998, 99, praying for the truth, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003. Kept on going until 2017. And the doors finally opened. <laughs> And how like, many times would he have wanted to give up? That just seems like cliche. Right, exactly. Oh my gosh, but those songs and the music and your and the hope <laughs> kept him alive. And and if we're and if we're not in prison and we do have a little bit of money and and there's really no excuse, but again, it is it is privilege and I think it's grit. Like he had grit growing up anyway. So that was, he was able to face these things. And you're right. A lot of no, whatever we're facing, we honestly can. The message I take from that is big, small, little, whatever it is, you know, like, honestly, we're already, like, we're already shot if we let it, if we believe it, right? That's what it comes Absolutely. down to. And whether it's, whether it's believing the guard in the prison and the judge who tells us that's the end for you, or it's believing someone who says, that's the end, you'll never make it in Hollywood, don't even go there. Or someone who says, Tracy, you know, whatever, PR, you know, you should go get an office job, go dye your hair, or whoever. We just said, whatever, I see my vision and I'm doing my vision. And if we don't let someone, I know, and I hate sounding like that cliche, but I didn't learn this from somebody on a stage who got paid $30,000 from somebody else who got paid $30,000 to learn to teach it. This right. is literally stuff I learned from having every success based on being a mouthy, you know, listen, like I was little, the fat girl, I didn't care. I didn't listen to that. I didn't listen to those limitations. You know, just like I tell my daughter who's got a disability, she's physical mobility issue, right? I go like this, cause I don't consider that a disability. Disabled's not a bad word, she's fine with it. But I, I'm like, 
disabled my butt, more able than most people I know, mobility, you know, so we have, we, we limit ourselves or we limit the way people see us and we don't, you know, people have certain judgments, oh, well, disabled girls is going to be like this, oh, our fat girl is going to be like this, or isn't going to get this, well, I always had, I always stymied them and confused them because I ended up getting the hot boys and the hot boyfriend and the, and so does the daughter, you know, and that upsets the people who are like literally, honestly, it throws people into a tailspin who don't understand their world is that like, oh, the hot girl gets the got, hot guy, I'm the hot girl, so I should get it. Well, why? wait a minute, what? You know, and it really confuses people that don't understand life's not like that. <laughs> it's because you have extreme confidence. And also, even in dating, men are attracted to, you, that book, confidence. men are attracted to a bitch. And I tell my girlfriends that all the time, that sit there and like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, maybe the guy doesn't want me to do this. No, be confident. Exactly. And, I'm like, God, whatever. You don't like me. That's fine. Move along. I'm sure there's plenty of girls who take your crap. You Absolutely. Know, not taking it. And then all of a sudden, wait, what? No. Oh, you want to stick around? No. <laughs> For sure. Because men like a game. They like, they like to hunt. And some of these women just kind of throw themselves at their feet. But yeah. I love your confidence. <laughs> confidence is, is unwavering. And I just think that is such a huge thing because everybody has to work on that, but you've always seemed to have been that way. And maybe it's from your parents or maybe it's from all the escapes um, in the, in the I adventures in your books. Like I, I remember thinking and saying, well, I guess when Facebook first came, I said to somebody, oh, I used to be shy when I was a teenager and everyone was like, ha, ha, ha. no, you weren't. But I thought in my head that I was. So I guess it was time when I wasn't super confident. But I also remember at 15, I guess, you know, 15, you know, those deep talks with my best friend, Jennifer, at the time. And this phrase sticks out in my head. And I remember us saying to each other, and she probably thought of it, something more occurred, but that we were secure in our insecurities. And I think that's kind of brilliant. Absolutely. So it's like I had insecurities, you know, like for sure, going into the room as a teenager, back, of course, you know what I mean? You were judged all the time, verbally and not. But then I got to the point where I was also smart enough to be like, you know what? I remember having also thinking at 12, thinking when I, I guess I must have been having a hard time at school. I remember literally walking, looking at the school as I was walking towards dreading going to school that day, having some kind of conflict with kids being bullied or something. And I remember literally thinking at 12, you know what? This is really stupid because no matter what, ha consciously thinking, no matter what happens here, I bet anything in a year from now, one year from now, when I'm in grade nine, this won't even matter to me. Yeah. And that was so freeing as a kid. You know, I remember thinking it a couple times, but no, remember, this is just dumb kid stuff. It's won't even, let me just pick up my magazine. Oh, now I forgot why I was mad. <laughs> no, but that's such a maturity level because things will be set off. And 12, and 12 to 15 year olds right now are struggling with the social media bullying on top of being in school. So it's yeah. a, lot, a, lot, a lot of pressure. But I think you, to me, you just seem to have steel unwavering confidence and that's a, that's a real attribute so let's get into you went you basically again figured out how to press to do a press release with the release of jimmy from prison and all of a sudden yes it's incredible so what was your <laughs> move like to hollywood i mean how did you transition from from that to climate? yeah so the jimmy step okay so i was doing that for years again i was still doing my sales job we never thought about doing any kind of media nothing to do with that and when i was 41 and i finally thought of that there have been we weren't even doing like immediate media we're still obviously doing jimmy stuff all the time but there wasn't much media going on because the lawyers had told us they were doing their thing and the lawyers had told us as they often do 
hold off on the media while they're doing their legal stuff, right? Yeah. So for a year or two, we weren't doing active media. We were just doing, you know, our Jimmy communicating with him and doing whatever he needed in the background and everything. But, um, and just doing our regular sales job. And it literally hit me one day when I was just, about, like I said, about to do my other, you know, calls, what they didn't care about. But hey, wait, I could segue this and do into work, you know, like, isn't that PR? Like, what I do, this thing about press releases and reaching out to media, like, I could do that first. That's called a publicist. And right? work huh? for yourself, not the man. It li- yeah, it literally hit me. I thought, oh, I guess I could. Well, how would I do that? Now, you know, I, so it's, you know, we have the interwebs in front of us. So I look up online about freelancing and I ended up finding some freelance sites. And I ended up meeting like the luck of the job. I, mean, I must have wrote up a good thing about myself. And first couple of things I pitched really low, got a couple of good, you know, words about myself. One of my first clients that met me on one of those sites is still with me today, Angela Sadler Williamson, Bragg, cousin of Rosa Parks, f- award winning filmmaker in my life with Rosie. Rosa Parks, right? Wow. Hired me in Canada to do her filming. And then actually thanks me in the credits. And I was sitting there at a Detroit Film Festival, like a highlight of my life. I was just talking about with two Rosa Rosa Parks family members oh my watching God. this film and thanking me in the credits. I'm like, how is my life? Whoa, like I'm literally, whoa. And I even said to her, like, I don't even know why you chose me, some dumbass white girl from Canada to be this. Not at so all. Even, and she's like, no, like I look at your work and everyone looked at my body of people who, I'm sure there were people who looked at it and thought, oh, I don't want the publicist who did that stuff. I'm not going to, and I didn't hear from them. But the people sure. I didn't hear from were interested in that. And I never really you talked about that. Most people didn't know. I built my career not on that, just like through those skills. And then it's only recently that I started doing like the last year, all these podcasts about myself and my business and speaking about entrepreneurship. And then people are asking how do you get started in PR and I have to tell that story and I love telling that story I love talking about Jimmy and it's funny because now I've been telling it to entrepreneur audiences business audiences and all that but as soon as they ask that there's no way not to answer that question and so anyway yeah that's really interesting to see their responses and talk about justice in that way it's crazy and with with everything that you did prior to public relations you don't have fear and again in Hollywood with all the publicists and all the brands and everything like that you can't have fear. You've got to go in and knock them dead. You, I mean, it's like if you... If- That's what I learned in Hollywood. I literally walked. I didn't even learn. I just did it. I remember it was yeah. down at W Hotel. had a big event. The first year I was there, so I got into some pre-Oscar event there, so I knew the landscape. Then the next time I went, I was literally there, Oscar's party week two again. And I was walking by, and I was literally thinking, oh, yeah, I want to go in there because I remember the... Uh, the montage on the wall, it was like LA woman, blah, blah, blah. And I just got it. So I wanted to go do the pictures saying, you know, lucky little lady in the city of light or whatever. Yeah, right? the doors. I was going there, but they had some big event. I was dressed to all Hollywood because I just come from something, but they had some big event going with the dorm. It was clearly an industry event. I didn't know what it was. And in my mind, I was like, oh, I guess I can't go in. Then I was like, no, but seriously, I just want to go to the bathroom and you take a picture of that montage. There's no reason I shouldn't be allowed to go in there. Sure. So in my mind, I literally just, walked in like this literally doorman sitting there he would stop people before me and he stopped people after me and I literally walked in I just kind of looked at him I nodded like that and he nodded at me and I walked right in and then I went to the bathroom and then I took my picture went to the bathroom and I thought huh I guess I'll go to the party and I just walked in you know ordered or whatever and I went and say it was long tables not like so it wasn't like little intimate tables. It was like mm-hmm. long tables where everyone was joining each other. Sure. And you could tell people were having conversations. Like, so I literally didn't want, didn't, I didn't go in and push myself in, but I went and sat at a corner, put my plate down and then just sort of sat there with, you know, like I was looking around what's going on here and not, not even 30 seconds passed. 
before somebody literally sat next to me. I think they were more like play people than, than movie people, but you know, they were very flamboyant. Not 30 seconds passed before somebody sits down next to me, literally says, you look like someone I should know. And I'm like, absolutely. Lamari Media, I give me out my card. Good Boom, for you, good for you. Just own it, walk in the room, make no, make no apologies and just fake it till you make oh, it. I'm here. <laughs> it's incredible. But, you, but you've got the confidence and the know-how and the prowess. And it's not like you're just some... some you know, yeah, like I belong, you belong actor. Who, I'm not afraid to be there. Like I know, it's a journey, I know it's not, you know, yeah, I'll tell you why I'm there. <laughs> why you you've got, you've got me, you've got a business. You can help that person. So when that person, that yeah. was person was smart to approach you, well, that's incredible. And so how, how would you suggest if someone's in a business or just anything that they're doing to pursue, even if it's, if it's a podcaster or if it's a fitness trainer, Nutritionist, because you have you have those clients as well. Yeah, oh, there's lots of media starts. opportunities. All those people that you mentioned, there's a ton of media opportunities. Fitness trainer, one. I see almost every day opportunities in mainstream media, like Reader's Digest, Good Housekeeping, that kind of thing, where you wouldn't even have to do a press release. You just have to follow things like Help a Reporter Out, Source Bottle, Source Bottles Australian, Hero is Help Reporter Out is is American. Um, Every single day, if you look at those, you'll see as an entrepreneur things, there's a whole section about fitness, for example, and there's health, nutrition, lifestyle. There's all kinds of opportunities to be quoted in upcoming articles from, you know, you'll see things like with a deadline of 3, 3 p.m. on Friday for Reader's Digest. I'm writing an article about, you know, three fitness tips for people, during, for moms during COVID. I just made that up. It could be about anything. Sure, sure. But, but fitness is a huge thing. So a great part of my day is spent finding those opportunities for clients, which you can also find some of them yourself, mm -hmm. pitching those opportunities, um, framing them, making sure their, their response is, is, which is hard for some entrepreneurs to understand, editorial, not advertorial. It's not an opportunity for you to say, oh, come to Tracy's Fitness Emporium. We will tell you how it's an opportunity for you to say, oh, Tracy says moms should work on their abs, you know, says Tracy from Tracy's Fitness Emporium. So you'd sure. be mentioned in there and you, so using those, I've literally got my clients in Oprah Magazine, in Reader's Digest, in The List, in New Yorker, New York Times, uh, LA, LA Fashion, a whole bunch of things, just, and that's just following. They're on deadline. You got to give them what they need. Obviously, we're not the only one seeing it. They're getting a bunch of pitches, so the pitch has to be on point, quick. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the more relevant you are, you know, the more you can show. I mean, that's great. Obviously, you can show you've been previously quoted here and there, but you don't necessarily have to have a list of accolades. One client came to me, and I talk about her a lot in podcast because it's a perfect example. Brilliant. She's 26 years old. She's a life coach, but nothing on paper to differentiate herself from any other life coach, right? Mm -hmm. No media, no nothing. Her, so she thought, well, if I start telling my story of success through bipolar, her name is Liz Alvarez, by the way, through success through bipolar, or no, sorry, in spite of bipolar, having and living a happy life, people will know when I've overcome and that they'll know that I have something to share with them. Wow. So literally she hired me. I gave her my lowest rate because, you know, what a story and young girl and, you know, and trying to build her business and I gave her a really good deal. The next day I saw through one of those things, Good Housekeeping Magazine, looking to speak to women between 25 and 40, willing to share their story. So I called them, I told them, this is why you really got to talk to us. This is why she's sharing her story, blah, blah, blah. And I sold the reporter on it and the reporter talked to her. And then of course she was brilliant. And then the reporter liked her quote and put her in the print issue of Good Housekeeping. Wow. And that is one of the, right, four or five magazines that you see everywhere in the world on the checkout counter of every grocery store. Yes. And there she was. I am not my mental illness on the cover. I'm like, so for the next year, 
I'd still now we say as seen on, you know, and now she'd been in WebMD, she'd been in this, she's just been in Men's Health magazine. She's just wow. been now, she, you know, because of that first, and that was right off the box. So you don't necessarily have to build small, though there's a million great opportunities to do that too. So if someone comes on with me, we start everything. We start, I write an article about you. I get it published in Prosperity Press in Los Angeles, or I pitch it to Authority Magazine, Thrive Global, Huff Post. You know, I get a couple articles written about you, featuring you, quoting you with a Q&A, talking about what you do. And then I get you featured on high profile podcasts that, you know, match your brand, you know, like this impressive one where this like high profile actress and former cheerleader running and this, you know, like this is, these are great things that you can put in your bio. I've been seen on this, I've been seen on that. And, you know, this is how you build up your brand. If you're a talker, podcasts are great. If you're more of a writer, you can even write your own articles on Medium, sure. which a lot of people think is like um, Huff Post, but really it's more like Facebook nice picture you write your article and there you are you start you know now you have something to point to to develop your thought leadership and now some people can use that and you think oh i tried it, it didn't work but you got to remember be very understand the advertorial is huge it is not an opportunity for you to write and say hey y'all i'm the guy of this and i'm gonna talk about my business you're not gonna get answers that way you have to really understand that you're you're a source for a story so you're offering information to be a valuable source to that reporter and then that by extension is a huge value to you because you know if you're in reader's digest this is the name of your company that's all you need it's going to be a good backnet and then later you can say as seen in reader's digest on your page as well sure. it's all that little mention and then another little mention and then another so those are ways that you can build that yourself just remember editorial not advertorial have a little pitch you know about yourself a, a, more about Anne, more about tracy that mm -hmm. says why you're good why you have knowledge in this field sure um can you kind of describe again the speak of ed editorial versus advertorial because obviously you don't want to sell yourself it's not about you it's about the facts um, yeah, so we, we all think about advertorial, which is what we're used to as entrepreneurs, right? Why yeah. is our product better and why, why is our business and all that stuff? So it's not that. It's you as an expert is what is a value here. So it's your expert voice. So the, the company or your book or your whatever, that's just your calling card that proves your expertise. Mm -hmm. We all know you want to sell that and get that mentioned. They will mention that because the, otherwise they can't just say, Tracy says... They have to say why, who's Tracy that it matters. Sure. Or Anne says, Anne's talking about Hollywood. Well, who is Anne? Just the name Anne. They have to say that, Anne, you know what I mean? They have to say why, what you, what you. So they're always going to mention, you know, Tracy, a high profile publicist, founder of Lamori Media. But it's, you know? subtle. it's subtle and it's more about your knowledge. You lead with your intelligence. It's about you, not about your product. Yeah. Right. And then, and, and again, get your head away from the advertorial, which is like, it's not an ad. You're not worried about where, whether it's big or giant, obviously Reader's Digest is great, but even if it's small, it's great because it's about when people search your name, getting that third party credibility, that sure. your name, like right now, I've done this for a year on my brand, not just my clients. Starting about 10 months ago in lockdown, I started doing a bunch of podcasts myself because I was always in these services booked in my clients. And I started seeing some that were like, oh, talking to audiences who really need my message. So I started saying, oh, I'll do one or two here. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to keep doing it because even though my time is hugely booked, you don't get paid for podcasts or whatever. Now what ends up happening is A, people who want to know about me, they can go and listen at length do they like me no that they can don't have to bother wasting either one's time right if they like me they really want then they're going to know they're going to be passionate gonna, oh that's what i want to work with fine that's that's great also i get to educate people it's great for networking it's great for marketing you know but also you know you search my name now and there's 
200 Hundreds. things that other people produced, yep. other things with other pages. So great for SEO and all that. And all, but also from a you know PR perspective, all these other people say say nice things about me with really nicely produced little pieces on their, you know what I mean, is gold. Mm-hmm. So like that's what you get with PR. It's the difference between PR, which is earned media, mm-hmm. using your expertise to build your leadership, your, you know, and that sounds scary to some people, but you know, honestly, the more you think, the more we're in the world we are in, and now aggressively so in the new virtual COVID world, there are so many platforms to make yourself heard. But if you're not, you know, doing that, it's definitely somebody else in your industry is, and they're they're like siphoning the customers away from you. When you know you, and it's not hard to just. I mean, people even if you're shy, half of those aren't even half of them. You don't even talk to you know on the arrow there. You're not even talking to reporters. They're sending you the questions by email, and you're answering by email. So if you're shy, you could be a writer. You can try. You know what I mean? There's all kinds of different ways to get out there. So being shy, you know, isn't an excuse. You're able to be in business. You're competent enough to take this other next step. Just have to find the faith in yourself to not be afraid. And get out of the comfort zones. And you also mentioned media, medium, and that is another. That's another way to get yourself out there. Yeah, medium is that. Like everyone thinks it's just like hopping. Like it looks great. It looks like magazine. Like if, if you look at medium.com, it looks like a Huffington Post or something. Like, and it basically is in some ways because anybody can write an article. But if you write a high, like a nice, you know, quality article and put the picture up there, which again is as easy as putting a picture on a Facebook page. You can write a you know article and then you know buy either about you know buy you blah 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 with a bunch of pictures you talk about whatever you want to be known for and start to develop your thought leadership. You upload that click it literally as easy as uploading a post on Facebook and that looks like a nice article and you you have a collection of articles on medium now where you can point people to you know your well the things you talk about and one could be this is what I talk I, any of these could be potential segments on TV shows. You know, and yeah, literally you can go in, and I didn't even realize for years, and I'm a publicist, I thought they were just, Medium was like Hot Post, which is like writers writing articles. Yeah. I didn't realize anybody can go. So now, whenever I put a press release, I also write an article version of the press release, you know, without the four immediate release, yeah. and just maybe put a Q&A in as well. So it's more articly, and I put that on Medium as an article by Tracy Lamori, Lamori Report. That, that way the release can live there as some kind of, you know, and people view it as an article as well. So that's great. Yeah. Um, and then, and then that's, that's with SEO. So when you, people look you up, that goes to your articles as well. Correct. And those are all great for your SEO. Like if you search yeah. my name now, 8,000 things come up my webpage and then all these podcasts and nice articles, people have written about me, you know, that's incredible. And just a couple final questions. How do you work with your husband and you've worked with your husband in radio since then? How do you guys do it? And and you met you met um on a radio show, right? No, he had a radio show. We met that was just a, through a friend, but but we talked all night about politics and all that. And we were just like, that's what we connected on. Matched. He had a social justice radio show and he brought me on that. And I was just like, what? Because I not the radio part, that was really neat, but the, uh, the social justice part. Because I remember after talking to him all night, I, I literally said to like everybody I know, I can't believe I literally said this guy to everybody I know. I can't believe I spent like 10 hours talking to a guy and I didn't once have to explain or correct him about why it was wrong to be racist or sexist or homophobic or this is 1994 you know my ba- past best friends they were pretty good the guy 
But I mean, I remember like arguing with him over Guns N' Roses, that song about, you know, immigrants and faggots. And <laughs> arguing, not, not Dave, but my previous friends in high school. Right. You know, that was so cool otherwise. But then all of a sudden they wouldn't see something like that. The song, however, you know, so I like always had, it was explained to things the people who seemed otherwise cool how it wasn't cool to be racist sexist homophobic fill in the blank right. and all of a sudden there was talking politics for like 10 12 hours with this guy all night about everything and he got it he was actually doing stuff about it more than me he was doing stuff more oh than my I was. gosh like, whoa, whoa stop and at first I didn't want to date him he was trying and I was like no no because I thought that's not going to go anywhere this is a hot hot guy all my friends like him but that's going to last like was like gonna last in a month you know what I mean then it's gonna be over and then I'm not gonna know this cool guy anymore who I actually just connected with on like you don't want to ruin it I was like I actually want to do some work like we're gonna do some good shit together here you know I was actually thinking more like yeah he's cute business he's a business partner yeah and then he was one like for a month trying and I was like yeah no that just sounds like a bad idea (laughs) I love it and you've been together ever since it's absolutely incredible um that's even just to work together. And I love that story. Like he really pursued you for sure. So and then he was always saying, I don't know why, because he said after a month, he was, I was never like that before. Like normal, it's not that he wasn't, no, he was never inappropriate. We were friends. We were like, he was uh, just like, seriously, this is like really right though. I don't understand like why you're like, Tracy. <laughs> I, love I don't know what you're thinking. Like, and he was totally right. I was, it was my own, that's where, you know, but my, that's where my insecurities were actually. Because I probably, you know, my, my defense was, oh, I don't want to be in a relationship. I'm not going to be in a long, also, but honestly, inside, inside, do you really think that when I saw all these cute girls that always liked him and all that, and he was literally the hot rocker boy with the law. Honestly, the guy was, the boy was cute. Okay. I honestly didn't think, I don't know, I don't know why. I, I'm not even sure why we're already friends. I don't even know why he's trying to get with me so hard. And clearly this is not going to like, that's not going to, like he's not going to be that delusional for that long. <laughs> Something's going to happen. Something better is going to come along. He's going to be off and then I'll be pissed off and I'm not a, freaking victim and that's not going to happen boy so no sorry you can go kiss someone else it ain't happening no way i love it and he so wanted some mama you know what i mean so there there though there's a lesson because that lack of confidence i could have just kept on doing that to protect myself and locked myself up because how long was he gonna you know eventually right okay then fine you know how long was he how long was he going to keep doing that and 26 years and two children and everything we built together I would have missed out and lived a whole different life unbelievable he wanted some of that mama fire is that what he wanted <laughs> lucky boy now we know I love it so what are your what are your goals going forward and how can people support you and follow you so yeah, follow me on the Instagram, Tracy Lamori PR Media. Find me on uh, and you too, Ed. Let's stay in touch and everything. For oh, sure. for sure, absolutely. And, um, and I'm gonna when I get back to Hollywood, and I will. <laughs> and I'll if you're it. if you're at Capitol Records, let me know because I will just walk walk on over there. How, how about your own goals? I know that you're going to be a grandmother. Oh, my own goals. Um, yeah. Oh my goodness, I really want to. They, they kind of merge, but I really want to travel again. <sighs> I love travel before it was business and I didn't get to travel for years and years and years. I, I backpacked through Europe when I was 21 yeah. and then I didn't travel for 20 years and then business started going the way that I could travel and that started happening. That was a pleasure. And I'm, I, I've, I'm so proud that I got to take my child to the Grand Canyon, you know, 2019, that classic American trip. I love that. And st- that right Vegas everything else so I want to get back to doing some more traveling. I think seeing the world is important for kids and I want to 
take my kids to more places. You know, I just want to go more places myself and meet more people and do more things and, you know, have have some adventures. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. And hopefully we'll be able to international travel internationally soon. And finally, what's your, I always ask my interviewer people, what has been your biggest indulgence during, during the pandemic? Was it a food? Was it a, was it a show? Um, Any habit? I think I actually, and I stopped this as of January, you know, because like the doctor was telling me I wasn't, thinking, like I remember we talked earlier about how I wasn't paying attention to fatty foods or anything. I've only, sure. I've started to have a mindset change now with the doctor is literally like, nope, you're 51. You've got to actually, you know, care for things. So now I'm on a, a change, you know, change with that. But before I was, yeah, and I've never been a drinker, but I started to get like some wine and have one glass of wine at night and start to really look forward to that one glass of it. And then I was like, wait a minute huh, that's like two bottles of wine I've got through the last three. And so I started to realize that was a habit I was starting to pick up with the pandemic, which, you know, like nice, relaxing, hot bath, glass of wine, a joint. But usually I just have the joint. And that was always the way it was. So then I decided I probably don't need the daily wine on top of the calories. And so I pretty much cut that out back to like, you know, once in a while, if I'm going to, if I go, if there's ever, you know, chance to go out and have a cocktail again, I like my client meetings with a pretty cocktail. But generally I trying to cut down the calories which includes cut down on the wine and sure. so yeah so that was an indulgence but not a great one but not a horrible one i mean it was cool yeah, but, no, now, but in hindsight red, red wine is recommended recommended all the time so yeah but now i realize that you know i'm just generally cutting down yeah on all for you. and i picked up you know what i picked up water which people have been telling me for years to drink water and i'm always like i don't like it and now i'm drinking it just plain I've, I've taken to the la- uh, plain water, but also I've taken to the lemon juice, buying like concentrated lemon juice. Sure. And putting concentrated lemon juice in it. Yeah, and that's no, that's good. It's, it's hard to, to keep drinking water. I bought one of those cold things like you have in offices. You know those yeah. offices where mm-hmm. your water is always cold? And I love that. I know you can get it for tap, but we don't. I like that helps a lot. It's just, it's fresher and it's more fun. It's yeah, so now I'm like, okay, I'll use this. And I've even got my son, I stopped buying, he was, you know, he's 17, so I was buying him just because it was easy, a case of pop at the beginning of COVID. Oh, I think he'll just have them once in a while, we'll have them here. Well, you think that happens when you have a case of pop, the kid's drinking a case of pop. Right. And then I noticed, and when my doctor had said to me, oh, you got to start watching out what you're, you know, eating and drinking, I looked beside me at my desk, and you know what, there was like five pops, two juices and five pops. And now there's like six waters and an iced tea. So like that's a huge lifestyle change. That's a huge thing because soda is very hard. Pop, she says pop when you say soda. I grew up with pop and then I had to change to soda. Oh, sorry, yeah. No, I always always change my dialogue wherever I go because people make fun of me. But it's like, no, it's it's a hard habit to break. So good for you. Really, that's... Yeah, I forgot. I I just did a hard stop on that because I realized, yeah, that's not right. And that's literally nothing good for you there, so. Good, just taking out little things. Well, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. And um, we learned a lot from you. And I want to take away the quote, I didn't get this far to only get this far. And that is Tracy Lamori Media. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anne. It's been a pleasure. And that was Mama Fire, Tracy Lamori of Tracy Lamori Media. You can find all of her connections, social media networks, and websites in the podcast notes below. We appreciate you for listening, and please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. You can also listen on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Luminary, Tuned In, or at Believe.com. You could reach out to me for any questions or topics that you'd like covered on the show at Anne McDaniels or at Anne McDaniels Actress. 
And I'll see you next time on So Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.